Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software and production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Quintessence, or Quintessence Ox on Twitter. Today, we're going to be talking about SaaS architecture with Arthur Berezin, the founder and CEO of Jovian X Platform. Before founding Jovian X, Arthur previously worked in product and technology roles at Linux Foundation, Cloudify, Liverperson, and Matrix. Arthur, welcome to the show. Hey, and thank you so much for having me. Hi. So just getting started, what is the main consideration that people need to be mindful of when they're developing a SaaS product? They have to be mindful about the life cycle of the control plane that they're building. And, you know, in fact, this is one of the things that when the company is planning to build and introduce a new SaaS product, basically, you know, they're not thinking about uh, the various integrations and workflows that we need, we need to develop in order to make their product work. And usually that part takes a lot more time than initially, uh, initially uh, thought. I gotcha. And how does this tie in with the most common myth or misconception you find yourself answering about developing SaaS products? Right. So one of the topics is, is, is how do I go about building my SaaS product, right? So in some cases, you know, some companies have some legacy they need to carry around. Some, some companies already have some kind of product and they want to sassify other companies, you know, building new products from scratch. And in many cases, there are also building and relying on on existing and, and existing open source solutions that they are consuming as part of their product, right? So the question is, is, is how do I go about building my SaaS product, making sure that I got my multi-tenancy correctly, right? So right, one of the main concerns of, of online products is how do I segregate data between users? And people basically need to be mindful about how to go about and do that while consuming, you know, Obviously, the goods of open source solutions that are being used in order to build a SaaS product. So there are multiple architectures around around how to build a multi-tenancy product. And in fact, you know, there's usually when we, when you speak to people building SaaS products, usually you know they're in 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 the thinking of, hey, this is the right approach to build multi-tenancy for my SaaS product. And generally, they're not they're just not aware that there are other options they can go about, which would make their life. A little simpler and 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 much you know much much easier to manage. I gotcha. Okay, going right into developing SaaS products. So when we were speaking earlier, you mentioned that there are really two products: the product itself and the automation that enables it. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. So again, if you you know go to go back to the story of, of a new company building a SaaS product, you know let's let's even you know <laughs> let's take Pager Duty as an example, right? Right on. You have this great idea of, of of you know building an online tool that would help SRE teams basically manage their daily lives, right? So you have like notion of shifts or teams, and you have a person who is on call, and you need to uh, get uh, notifications and alerts. Right, and, and you open instance, and you probably integrate with various monitoring tools that 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 basically trigger these alerts. So, like, there's a lot of content going on, but on top of you know the, the 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 core content for the product, you know, the core of what the product does, you still would have to develop tons and tons of functionality that is not directly related to the core product. Like, think of the multi-tenancy issues that you need to solve while building the product. Think of the authentication and user management that you know enables the product that's not a functional part but you still need to figure that out you need to figure out how you do billing and obviously when you have a new trial account signing uh, sign into your product you would probably want to send a notification to your sales team saying hey you have a new opportunity here you know 
basically communicate with 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 the, with the person and make sure you know that we are doing the right job of of help or of making sure that our product helps that company right so there are there are many integrations points and and and, and implementations and that are not di- directly related to the core product and in fact you know that part has a life a life cycle of its own and usually you know you need to develop you know this whole control plane that's an ocean we call it in order to make your product work right so like what's what's really happening is that you have developers working on the core product and then you either have a separate group of developers or the same group develops also the control plane that enables your SaaS product right and you need to be mindful that this control plane has a, a whole life of its own right you have to upgrade it push changes and and, and con- continuous improvements to to that part and you need to be mindful about that part as well that's awesome so mentioning the control plane for automation can you tell us what's involved in that with regards to like the life cycle and so on right so when you're building a saas product there are multiple moving parts in place right so you have the core functionality of your product and that core functionality is, is is in fact running somewhere right so you need to develop automation and 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 integration into your ci for example in order to push updates upgrades to your software or push patches for example when when you need to introduce new fixes to your software on top of that you need to do the whole automation for account activation right for example you know when a new user signs up you have this trial period that's something you, know, you have some unique workflows happening throughout the trial period you need to send emails to the to the customer saying hey welcome to our new service we hope you enjoy our, our product and and you need to also send him reminders saying hey you're you're still on trial if you're enjoying the product please activate your account right once the the the, the end user activates or you know enters his credit card details there's this whole workflow automation going on in order to activate the product and create a new billing plan and, and charge the customer integrate you know send that data back to the CRM so again the sales team is also involved and, and aware of what's going on and there are like multiple integration and automation uh, uh, around the where the various common workflows that you see in SaaS and each of them has you know has its own merit right they need to maintain and manage all of them so like for example you know integration with hub with basically any company right need, needs to do some sort of integration with with their hubspot with their CRM with their pager duty account uh, send email automations etc so all of those parts are fundamental to building a SaaS product and, and crucial in order to make it actually work and that makes sense and we're talking about all the resources that go into this automation but what are some that people tend to neglect in the architecture you know if you look at at the at the SaaS product from a higher level perspective you would basically you know if you like you know could imagine an architecture of the product so usually you have you know somewhere where the the workload runs right that's you know some some kind of cloud account that you probably use from one of the larger cloud providers you know AWS Azure uh, GCP and so on so this is this is where usually you know your you 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 run your workloads then you have uh, the data plane and you could use either that databases that, that run within that cloud or you can use databases as a service right in order to build your cloud product and you can consume that either again from the cloud providers or you can consume these databases from other companies like any you know any any major database company for example today offers their their product as a service as well right so for example you can you can create a, a database as a service for mongodb 
you get you can get it from you can get an on-demand database from Elasticsearch, and in fact, any any major database and, and you know popular database companies offering their product as, as, as an on-demand service as well. So you have the workloads, you have the database, and then you have the tier that integrates and consumes external cloud services, right? So PagerDuty is one of them, but you have many many services that enables SaaS and, and help, you know, help help a company to build a SaaS product. So you need to be mindful of that part as well. And each of those, you know, cloud resources need to be fully managed, right? So it's not that you've created something and, hey, I, I have a, an account with, I don't know, with, with, with an emailing service and, and I could forget all about it. Rather, I need to make sure that I'm aligned with that product's lifecycle as well. Because again, you know, cloud products tend to also change and evolve with time and, you know, update their APIs, I update their resources management. And I need to make sure that all of my automations around all of these products are also maintained and managed, right? So I cannot neglect those parts and forget all about them once they're done. Rather, again, once they are becoming part of my control plane, I'm responsible for maintaining these integrations. And these tend to become, you know, complex over time. Are there common bits of those, you know, the automation pieces, the integrations that people tend to not keep updated, even if they're trying to be mindful, just like gotchas that slip through the cracks somehow? Yeah, so there are actually, there are, there are quite a lot of them. So like, for example, when, you know, when you use, for example, Kubernetes is, is sort of, you know, the becoming the standard way to run workloads in the cloud. So like there are many, many gotchas in, in, in pushing updates to Kubernetes services, right? So usually you have a DevOps dedicated team who's doing a lot of work and, and effort into making sure that all of these gotchas are, are being taken care of. Right, but but basically, you know, if 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 you have some some core some sort of corner cases that you know that you're having thought of, you basically fail to provision a new workload. And usually, these places, like where the workload runs, are 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 usually get caught quite earlier on through uh, the push of an update. But you know, the 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 various peripheral integrations are are the more harder to plan for. Like for example, I'm using some sort of an emailing service or a notification SMS service. For example, that that change their API. So so these kinds of changes, it's really hard to to keep up with and basically make sure that I'm I'm aligned with all the changes that are happening through the dependencies that I'm using as part of my product. Okay, that makes sense. And going from that to the multi-tenancy model you started to talk about before, what are the different or a few of the different models that people should be aware of? When you go off the bat, you know, and 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 start planning a, a cloud product on a SaaS product, usually what happens is that you you know you reflect on your own history, and you say, hey, I would build a SaaS product by you know by 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 having a database record saying this is account A, another record saying this is account B, and would create a relational, for example, database, right? So this is a model to create a multi multi tenancy. But in fact, you know, there are multiple architectures and multiple ways to develop multi-tenancy. And, and there are multiple resolutions where you can provision and, and consume resources in order to build a multi-tenant cloud product. So the, the, the model that I just mentioned, you know, that's, it's usually called the, the, the application tier multi-tenancy. And that tends to scale quite well to a certain amount. And then once you, you know, once you hit the limit uh, of your database, you would be required to change an architecture. And that's the application multi-tenancy model. Then you have the model of a multi-database 
multi-tenancy model where you could have a database, for example, per type of customer or per region, for example. And Facebook is, is <laughs> weirdly enough, a great example of that. Uh, so, so if you're like, we're following it at uh, following Facebook in their early days, what they used to do was that they used to create a full instance for their whole application and include a separate database per college. So when they started, you know, when they expanded from, from, from Harvard to other colleges, what they, in fact, they were doing, they were deploying sets of, of MySQL databases per college. And that's the way they used to scale their, their product. And that scaled quite nicely and allowed them to scale very quickly uh, and become this, you know, huge service, uh, servicing a lot, a lot, a lot, lots of, of users. So that's the, you know, the multi-database uh, model. But again, you can go also, as I mentioned earlier, to the multi-instance model where you, you would have a full deployment, for example, per customer for your application or per region, for example, you would have a full, full uh, deployment per region uh, of your application, right? But you can also like, you don't have to like deploy a full-blown database per account. You can also, for example, go for the multi-schema uh, model where you would have, you know, would have a single set of, 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 of single installation of a database and have multiple schemas within that. Uh, so that would, wouldn't require you to have a full-blown deployment for a database per customer or per region. Rather, you would, you know, you would have multiple schemas separating data and, and segregating the data between your customers or accounts or regions or depending on, on what you decide to do. Now, what's the important part here is that when you're planning for multi-tenancy, it's really important to first decide uh, what you're optimizing for, right? For example, you could say, hey, I'm building a low-touch SaaS product, you know, that, that's aiming to serve millions of users. Obviously, you know, all of us would say, hey, my product will be serving millions of users. But, you know, the hard-cold reality of that is that usually B2B products tend to not be used by, by millions of millions of users. Rather, you would have, you know, probably some some nice uh, portion of hundreds or thousands of accounts and probably each account would have you know several users within that account so having that in mind like would you prefer optimizing for scale and density or optimize for cloud costs right because again if i'm provisioning a whole database or a whole application tier per customer that could become quite costly right but if again i'm from a cyber company for example i would prefer to optimize towards security rather than cost optimization and density, right? Again, cyber, so for me, it's super critical to make sure that a data from customer A would never, ever be, you know, be served to customer B. One way to do that is to have a completely separate deployment uh, of the application per customer. Again, the critical part here is to be mindful about what we are planning to optimize for and only then start to think about the actual solution implementation of how we go about implementing our multi-tenancy. Gotcha. And are there any questions that people can ask themselves? I know you're talking about optimization, but to help people kind of navigate these different models so that instead of just saying, oh, it looks like this one's the most popular, so we'll try and make it work, like what helps them actually know what works for them? Right. So, you know, first off, you know, there are, you know, there's a short blanket and it cannot cover the whole bed, right? So you have to right. figure out, you know, if you take, you know, costs, density, uh, isolation, data isolation into account and, you know, put them on, on this matrix and, you know, have this arrow 
optimizing towards some direction, right? You have to understand first, you know, what's the requirement for the product, right? Am I, am I a, a B2C company? It's a, you know, it's a low touch product. I cannot afford a full blown, you know, uh, installation of the product per customer because that would cost me hundreds of dollars per customer where each customer would, would probably pay me in the tens of dollars. That, so that wouldn't make, you know, financial sense. So I need to like, take uh, all the old considerations into account and once i have them it becomes a little bit easier to to figure out what what makes more sense from the architectural perspective to and, and you know how to go about architecting architecting and building the cloud solution gotcha all right well thank you so much arthur for all of that and for everyone listening to this part, because this is the good part where you get to go and do a thing, they have an excellent blog post on building a fully managed service on Kubernetes that can help you kind of learn some more about everything we've been talking about today. And we're going to be linking that on the show page. But before I let you go, Arthur, there are two questions that we like to ask everyone. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. What is one thing you wish you had known sooner when it comes to running software in production? Production is hard, <laughs> full stop. <laughs> so make sure you know, <laughs> make sure you have the right tooling in place. Tooling is is important to figure out you know what's going on, and usually a strong team is usually optimizes towards having the right tool set. So you know having a great team is is super critical here, and a strong operation teams, in order to make sure that you know that the product meets a certain good SLA or SLO, because again, we, there's no such thing as, as, as 100% uptime forever, right? And you need to have a team that, that's, uh, that, that, that's minded towards the right things in order to make sure that this house is, is reaching good levels of, of, of SLA and making sure that the right tool sets are in place. All right. Awesome. And then on the opposite side of that, what is one thing that you're glad we did not ask you about? Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, not really sure about that one. So you're you're great with everything. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> one, thing, one, one thing that 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 I would like to like briefly mention is that I'm I'm super passionate about you know open source. I think you know without open source, many of the awesome companies we know today wouldn't be able to exist. And what's super interesting to me is that you know open source benefited this huge momentum over the past couple of decades. And what's weird to me is that, you know, you don't see any open source SaaS solutions, right? Okay. There, there, okay. Are quite, yeah, there, there are quite a few solutions that you would consider as open source products. They're available also as an open source solution. And I think one of the main reasons for that is that because today with the tooling today, it's really hard to separate between the product and the control plane for the product. And if, if, if it's really hard to separate the two, you would tend to not allow access to your control plane because you know that 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 part is usually very sensitive and 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 holds basically very sensitive information right you have billing you have plans you have like many security like roles all those parts are basically you would tend to not want to expose them but what you would like to expose is the functionality of the product and because like today you know many of the like in fact like 99% of the products i think they are not built in the mindset of there's control plane there's the core product it's really hard to offer products as open source solutions. And I think once you make that distinction between, you know, the core functionality and the control plane of the product, then it becomes a little bit simpler for you to release the source code for your core functionality. And in fact, you know, allow your users to contribute, you know, the things that are bothering them. 
right? Which is which is the, the core fundamental idea of, of of open source. So I'm really passionate about that notion and that idea, and I think you know in the future we'll definitely see a lot of of, of innovation happening in this in this place. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for expanding on that, Arthur, and thank you for joining us today. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. And this is Quintessence wishing you an uneventful day. That's it for another installment of Page It to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittolimit.com, and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittolimit using the number two. That's pageittolimit with the number two. Let us know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.